Hey, welcome to the podcast of The Kelly Cotrera Show. It's Wednesday, February 10th. I don't know how your 100th Meridian Amber Lager is going to go down after you hear that the tragically hip are suing Mill Street Brewery. Yeah, because of that beer. We'll get into the specifics of that coming up. But first, CBS political analyst Leonard Steinhorn and professor at American University in Washington, D.C. joins the show. Welcome to the program. Good to have you on, Professor. Happy to be here. Thanks. So yesterday was an interesting day. I know that the U.S. Senate voted to allow the Trump impeachment trial to begin, and it was like a four-hour debate. Um, But I believe there was some uh, video evidence that was shown yesterday, uh, and it was convincing enough to sway one Republican to the other side. Can you tell us what happened? Well, it was video evidence that showed the assault on the Capitol, the insurrection, the anger, the rage, the violence, the attacks on police juxtaposed with statements from President Trump and things that he said on January 6th uh, to be able to motivate people. So the point there was there's a direct relationship between what Donald Trump was saying and the sort of insurrection and uh, assault on the Capitol. And that's how they tried to make their case visually, emotionally, with uh, images that many senators themselves understand because they themselves were there. They're not just jurors in this case. They are witnesses, and many of them may have feared for their own lives at that particular point in time. I mean, Jamie Raskin, the lead house manager, was talking about how some people he knows were making phone calls to loved ones saying, this could be the last time you ever hear from me. Or people were texting to other uh, others and saying that. So, um, you know, this is not just a case built on sort of rhetoric or legal briefs or, or even fact. It's a, it's a case built on the emotional power of visual evidence of which they have plenty. So what does that mean? The Democrats, the House managers put on a very compelling case, not just linking Donald Trump to January 6th and the violence and the assault on the Capitol and attempt to overturn an election and basically, you know, undo our democracy. Um, but they also sort of, un, you know, sort of went after the Republican argument that, that holding an impeachment trial after somebody has left office, the Democrats say that is not a valid argument the Republicans are making that, that we should not be holding this. What the Democrats said basically and what was convincing to many people is that Nobody gets sort of a January free pass as president of the United States. You can't sort of in the final weeks of your presidency commit crimes, you know, provoke violence, do, you know, commit malfeasance and just walk away without any accountability. And that's what the Democrats are arguing. And they were able to pry one more Republican senator uh, to their side. That still may not be enough to convict Donald Trump, but it shows that the Democrats have a lot of force to their arguments. I understand that Donald Trump was watching on TV and was raging, apparently screaming at the TV set, uh, not happy with the job his lawyers did. They have a big job job ahead of them, although people uh, tend to think that Trump will not be found guilty because the Republicans won't want to vote that way. Um, What are we going to see over the next few days? Well, I'm keeping my eye on Mitch McConnell um, and how he reacts. Uh, Apparently yesterday, what he communicated to members of his caucus is – This is one vote where you vote absolutely your conscience. There will be no party sort of, you know, uh, organizing, uh, no party resistance. If you want to vote to convict, that's up to you. Look at the evidence, weigh the evidence. And even though Mitch McConnell voted against uh, moving ahead with this trial, 
it's clear to me that he's looking at the evidence and considering what he's going to do, not just because of the moral dimension of what uh, President Trump did and sort of the constitutional issues that uh, raised with President Trump as the president uh, calling for an assault on another branch of our government, um, but it's also because he sees the Republican Party in danger if it continues to be associated with sort of the anger and extremism and grievance that uh, that was exhibited on January 6th. So I think he's trying to figure this out and sending a signal to other members of his caucus. It may not be enough to get those 17 Republicans to join 50 Democrats to get to the two-thirds majority to convict Donald Trump, but that's what I'm keeping an eye on. So the Democrats over this next week will continue to show video evidence. They will uh, show testimony and tape testimony and and other testimony uh, um, and even evidence from some of the indictments that have been taking place uh, from people who assaulted the Capitol saying that Donald Trump was the reason why I did this. It was because Donald Trump called me to do this that I went and attacked the Capitol. They will hit it from any number of different angles, um, but they will offer facts and lots of facts. What Donald Trump's people will do when they get to defend the president is offer argument. And what they'll effectively try to do is to say, this is a matter of free speech. You can't convict a president or anybody for you know, using their free speech, that he, he was not saying literally attack the Capitol. He was saying figuratively attack the Capitol. And then they will use examples from Democrats um, uh, with inflammatory rhetoric saying, if you took all of that stuff literally, um, then we'd be convicting everybody in Congress or everybody in each party on all of these issues. So that's sort of how it's going to play out over the next few days. Leonard, I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for sparing us some. Hey, thanks for having me. There's a tragically hit, the 100th Meridian. That song is the subject of a lawsuit. Uh, the tragically hip is filing a lawsuit against the Mill Street Brewery. Because they've created a beer called 100th Meridian Lager. Chris says it's one of his favorite beers. Absolutely loves it. However, I, you would assume that the Tragically Hip gave Mill Street Brewery their blessing on using that. Why would you assume that? Because, look, I, like everybody else, took geography in grade school. I know what lines of longitude and latitude are. But if it wasn't for the Tragically Hip, the 100th Meridian would have absolutely zero significance to me. I would not know that's where the Great Plains begin. And so I think that there's a good argument with the Tragically Hips lawsuit. They were not uh, consulted about this. They, they filed a lawsuit against the Toronto-based Mill Street Brewery, alleging that it used the name at the 100th Meridian to brand and promote one of their beers. In the statement of claim filed in the Ontario court yesterday, Tragically Hip Inc. claimed the brewery has branded and marketed its 100th Meridian Amber Lager to pass off on the fame and goodwill and reputation of the Tragically Hip. And the suit uh, alleges that Mill Street Brewery engage in a course of conduct to uh, unilaterally and without permission ride in the coattails of one of their most beloved, uh, one of the most beloved bands in Canadian music history. And in fact, deliberately amplified these efforts during the final tour in 2016 after frontman Gord Downey had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. Now, Chris bought that beer to drink during the final tour, thinking, yeah, okay. This is somehow associated with the tragically hip. Professor Pina D'Agostino joins us. She is founder and director of IP Osgood, Osgood Hall Law School's Intellectual Property Law and Technology Program. Welcome to the show. 
Thank you, Kelly. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Pina, in your opinion, I mean, to me, this seems like a slam dunk, but I'm, I'm not a legal professor. Do, what do you think? Do you think the Tragically Hip have a case here? Well, the lawyers will think so, of course. Uh, on, there's always two sides, right? Uh, and you actually gave a, a brilliant summary of um, the materials just filed yesterday. So there's always the law, and then there's the court of public opinion. And I think you touched on uh, some of the, the notes that will come out uh, in this case even uh, the resonance that the hip has in Canadian culture, uh, especially with Gord Downey's uh, passing. So um, on the law side, there are many different claims being made in uh, this case. So from the trademark side to the copyright um, issues um, in the materials. Now, of course, we'd have to see what uh, the response is from Mill Street, but they, uh, they say that they've been trying to settle uh, with uh, Mill Street for uh, several months and have come to no end. And so they had no choice but to file the lawsuit. Okay, so when it comes to copyright infringement, does Mill Street have a kind of, do they have a case here and an argument here that, look, the 100th Meridian was has, has been in existence long before Gord Downey wrote lyrics about the 100th Meridian that, that made that song, made it, you know, that song something that people sing and, and, then they they make the uh, association with the song based on the fact that Gord Downey maybe introduced them to something that was always in existence. Yeah, no, for sure. So on the copyright front, what they're upset about is if uh, you just check on the social media, you'll see that some album covers are there reproduced fully. And for the law, they call the term is a substantial part. So what the hip is saying is that you have no permission. We didn't, we didn't say that you could do that. Um, so, Mil- so, so just to just to get us up to yeah. speed, Mill Street Brewery decided to uh, is put, post their beer alongside a tragically hip albums on social media, or was it fans of Mill Street Brewery putting both of the images up simultaneously? Yeah. So, what I could tell from uh, the the materials is that uh, Mill Street actually intentionally put the uh, the hips album cover on its uh, social media feed. So on Facebook. So they, they it wasn't an incidental. It wasn't didn't just happen to be there. They actually went out of their way to make sure there was an association between the hip and uh, and the beer. Right. So in that way, Tragically Hip have a very good argument. In fact, they sent out a letter to their fans uh, yesterday because they've they're just exasperated, I guess, in moving forward with this lawsuit saying that. Uh, they have nothing to do with Mill Street's 100th Meridian um, beer, and they've, you know, they've been around for a long time. They've always been able to work out things like this without a lawsuit, but unfortunately, not this time. They're also seeking um, an an order uh, that would see Mill Street Brewery make a public statement that its products and services are not associated with the band. How often does that come up? Well, it does come up in terms of the the ask, whether it's actually done, uh, that's more tenuous. But uh, what they want to do is dispel in the fans, dispel in the public that there's any association with the beer and the band. So you could see the argument that, oh, the hips should be flattered that they're uh, that they're actually paying homage to uh, to their song. But on the other hand, the the hip wants to be able to control its brand, its image its songs and who it's associated with. If they, they didn't give any permission, 
you see that typically bans back and endorse other beers, other alcohol. I mean, the hip itself has its own uh, wine. So they don't want this to also undercut some potential streams of revenue, never mind like what it's actually causing in the minds of the of the fan, right? Because here, Mill Street, and as alleged in the materials, like they're actually riding off the coattails of the mm-hmm. hip. So they're making more money by selling more beer because people like the hip. Sure. They're, they, I mean, that's why Chris ended up buying the tragically yeah. hip 100th Meridian beer to drink while he watched that final concert. Uh, he really assumed that this was associated with the tragically hip. So the fact that Mill Street Brewery um, tweeted out not only uh, tragically hip cover, but also their product associated with the tragically hip cover, that would work against them in court, wouldn't it? Oh, of course. Yep. It's one of the uses that they're they're infringing. So that's essentially what the, the, the band is saying, right? That they shouldn't have done that. All these these are all examples that show association in the public's mind and confuse the, the fan or the, the consumer, right? That there is any association. The, the hip is not endorsing Mill Street and doesn't want to have anything to do with it. Is there any risk with the tragically hip uh, launching a lawsuit against Mill Street, which right now, um, you know, we, we a lot of us know where the Mill Street Brewery is in Toronto. Um, and mm. we know that local businesses are having a hard time with this pandemic. Should the Tragically Hip have come out somewhere in their letter to fans and say, you, you know, mention the fact that, that Mill Street is associated, in fact, with, I believe it's Labatt. They are owned by Labatt. And so they're dealing with a, a big guy, n- not a small player here. Yeah, so it's actually yeah, owned by Labatt, and I believe then a multinational, a Belgian multinational actually owns it. So it's not truly, I guess, an independent small uh, distillery. So right. I don't know. Like, ultimately, it's the court of public opinion. A discerning um, fan and consumer will know this. And, I, like, what it seems to me from reading the materials is that they're at their wit's end to spend. Mm that they've dealt with issues like this before and they've tried to settle out of court, but now they had to put these materials in, file them yesterday so that they could maybe press a settlement, which is likely going to happen. So the likelihood that this is going to escalate up the courts, uh, unless, you know, both parties put, you know, their feet on the, like they dig their heels in. Right. Is this like a one, two punch from the tragically hip because they're, going ahead and they're suing Mill Street Brewery, but at the same time, they're also saying, hey, we have no association with Mill Street Brewery's 100th Meridian beer, letting their fans know, because that could definitely affect those sales. Yeah, absolutely. And also what they don't want to do is set a precedent themselves that, you know, anybody could then uh, just, you know, use whatever songs of theirs to uh, help their own business, right? Like they want to give, they want to just be able to, give consent and it's not to say that they would have even extracted money from mill street but it seems that it was a unilateral move on their part uh, could mill street argue that they were trying to honor the tragically hip yeah so that's exactly the, the counter right they'll argue that they're trying to uh honor that they're trying to flatter them uh, that in, in in some ways they might be grateful that they're actually increasing the sales of their songs mm. right so these are the things, that's always the counter that plays out in these cases. So those that try and enforce and protect the rights to those that want to liberate the use of the rights. So in should this, this case, yeah. Should, th- should this be a message to other brewers or breweries that might want to 
uh, you know, name a beer after someone. I know that there was a Toronto restaurant at one time that tried to, uh, this is before Trump was president, tried to name a beer after Trump, and he said, absolutely not. Oh, for sure. It's a message to other uh, other breweries and uh, any alcoholic, any type of business, really. Ask permission. Like, there's no, there's no need to just, especially in a marketplace where this is, that companies and uh, bands typically are in the business of endorsing other brands and do it with permission. There's no reason not to ask for permission. Yeah, when I saw this story, I thought, oh, wow, that seems like a major ball drop. I mean, it, it would just be a no-brainer before you name something after someone, you will ask for permission. I want to thank you for your time today, Pina. It's been a pleasure talking to you. My pleasure, Kelly. Have, Have a, a great, great day. day. You too. Cheers. Um, I want to bring Chris Creston back into the conversation if I could. I know he's just uh, closing up here with uh, Pina. Chris, you've got yeah. a, a statement from the HIPS lawyer. You were talking back and forth. Give us the lowdown on what was going on this morning between you and Paul Benwatt. Yeah, Paul Benwatt is the lawyer representing the HIP in this case. And uh, we were chatting back and forth, and uh, he wanted to provide us with a statement, couldn't do a live interview, so he actually left a statement on my voicemail, which we're now uh, prepared to play, that sort of outlines as much as he is able to talk about the case at this point. In terms of this case, um, you know, all I'll say is that I'll refer you to the statement of claim uh, that sets out our allegations specifically, um, you know, in part that Mill Street has leveraged the similarities between the branding of Mill Street's 100th Meridian and the tragically hit at the 100th Meridian. Um, to create actual confusion uh, among Canadians and also pose a substantial risk of further confusion. Um, so, you know, that, I, that, that's what I'd like to say about the case. You know, beyond that, though, um, I, I think it's important to keep in mind that, you know, that what got us to this point, which is that the band felt that their fans were being misled um, and that they, as a band, and that their fans had been wronged. And, uh, you know, that's, that's how we got here. All right. I want to pose this question to you because I think the band or, or the uh, Mill Street Brewery is going to lean on the fact that the 100th Meridian existed before the band. OK, let's try this case in the uh, court of public opinion. Uh, Mill Street Brewery said on its website that it's 100th Meridian Organic Amber Lager, which Chris says is super yummy, is brewed with the ingredients from west of the 100th Meridian, the longitudinal line that separates the prairies from the rest of Canada. I think you mean where the Great Plains begin, no? So let's do a chicken and the egg comparison here. Which came first? When did you first become aware of the 100th Meridian? Was it like in geography class or something in grade school? Or was it because of the Tragically Hip song? Which came first, the Hip's 100th Meridian or the actual Meridian? 416-870-6400. Let's just find out, you know, uh, where you sit on this. Hey, Kyle, welcome to the show. Hey, Kelly. Uh, I got to be honest, when you say 100th Meridian, I've got a bit of a mind for hooks. And um, I, I hear um, the um, Tragically um, Hip. Yeah, so do exactly, I. Exactly, right? Yeah. I hear them singing it, but... I mean, I that you could apply this line of reasoning to anyone. It's the first person who called the song "Blue Sky." Now you can't use "Blue Sky" in your marketing anywhere. You know, it's it's a slippery slope. I think it's kind of sad that they waited one. Are you referring to the, the song that says "Baby's Got Blue Skies"? No, that's not right. No, I'm thinking more of "Goodbye Blue Sky" by Pink Floyd. Hey, Pink Floyd never went after anyone for using the prism in their logo. The Beatles never went after Apple for using their Apple. 
Yeah, but yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. So you think, okay, I'm going to fall in, in favor of Mill Street Brewery here. See, I, I'm, thinking, I'm saying it's very un-Canadian. They should have used any money that Mill Street's mm-hmm. making using that name to fund Downey's charity. I think it's really mm-hmm. crass that they waited till he died to do okay, this. Okay, but you know that they are, they, apparently the, the beer came out before he passed away. Um, they tragically have been trying for a while, they say, in their letter to uh, settle this with to no avail. But the Mill Street Company is... Why don't they try to write a is... relevant album without him? Why don't they try to do some music making and be relevant without Downey? It's pathetic, okay, well, man. But I, but, okay, so I, I'm not sure where you're going with this, but I think that basically the Mill Street is owned by one of the biggest brewers on the planet, Anheuser-Busch, so I don't think they care about Gord Downey's charity, I'm going to guess. Hey, John in Toronto. Hello, Kelly. So you love the 100th Meridian beer. You've had it. Chris has had it. He enjoys it as well. It's delicioso. Were yeah, I just shocked? had it on Saturday night. Oh, you did? Yeah, I get it every weekend down at the uh, the liquor store in the beaches area. And it's funny, that's the first store that I saw that tragically have fully completely wine as well. But if you want my take on it, I mm-hmm. think maybe Mill Street owes a nod to the hip. But I think I remember hearing that phrase in public school, the 100th Meridian. But there's no way I would have remembered it without that hip song. And I got a, a little trivia for you here. Does that mean that Ry Cooter should get some kind of a shout-out for them using his name in the song? I just thought of that. Well, he's singing the eulogy. He, did, he didn't sing the eulogy, did he? No, and that would have been a great thing, too. Yeah. But, uh, what a miss there, actually. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm on the side of the hip. I, I, I think that the 100th Meridian, that song is in the public conscious if you're a certain yeah. age. It's associated with them. They, they should make some kind of settlement. And I, that gentleman before, maybe uh, make a donation to, to Gord Downey's charity, which apparently does a lot of great work. But I know some of the hip personally. They're very nice guys because I yeah. worked with SoCan at one time. So I don't think they're a malicious bunch. But I do think that when you hear the 100th Meridian, that phrase... You know, I can I call the song up in my head. It's playing as we speak. I I, I hear you. I'm past uh, get Ry Cooter to sing my eulogy. I mean, we're, we're, we've already gone through with the hundredth Marine. It's one of those things where, like on South Park, you know, Cartman hears uh, "Come Sail Away" and he goes through the whole song in his head. Yeah, it's brilliant. I, I, and brilliant. you know what, John? I don't think we're alone on that. So there is my argument with the tragically hip. I think it's hard to separate one hundredth Meridian. Uh, from their song. I look at that beer and I'm already going through the lyrics. And I think that might have something to do with naming your beer after that. Like, why couldn't they call it Prairie Amber Lager? Well, just to uh, add something to the mix here. Yeah. My friend calls it the Tragically Hip Beer. That's what she calls There you go. I appreciate the call, John. I don't know how I lost you there, but uh, Chris and Niagara, welcome to the show. What came first? Was it the Tragically Hip song for you or your knowledge of where the... 100th Meridian well, was. The hip is, is kind of uh, our Canadian anthem band. Eh? Like, it's just something that we don't, none of, nobody should really touch. But here nor there, I mean, I, I kind of blown away. This Mill Street, it, the whole thing is a scam. Like, I mean, they, they seem to be marketing on a scam. Because I always thought right now, I'm kind of pissed. I thought they were, uh, you know, a, a Mill Street brewery. Well, they are, but there's a lot of different small independent well, brewers know, that get bought up by big that. companies and you keep your your name. And I don't know how much independence they have from that, you know, company well, that they belong the first, to. Well, I'm just saying this cottagey, they're not the cottagey uh, beer-loving or beer factory I thought they were. They're Labatt. 
Well, and this is the thing, and I was wondering if this was a one-two punch, Chris, and you bring that up because I think the understanding is that they're small. Mm -hmm. You know, we got big bucks from from Labatt. We're going to stay a nice little cottagey marketing group, and now we're going to steal from the hip and, uh, and, and, you know, be more associated as that. It's all horse horse poop. I I appreciate the call. And when you say steal from the hip, you know, they aren't taking anything from the hip in a monetary way. But I guess what Chris is getting at is that, you know, the association is there. If you're a hip fan, you know, fully, completely. Road Apples was a good album. And uh, but I think the real breakthrough album was fully completely. It cemented the fact that the Tragically Hip were here to stay and there was something special going on. What it comes down to is there is an association even you know when I bought the beer, I didn't. I I considered the association. I made the association myself mm-hmm. as a as a consumer, and I de- I chose to use that beer as a representation of the band. And I think it is an honorarium. You know, it is. Mm-hmm. A, they are paying homage to the band. Um, the 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 thing is that they can't say that they weren't. They didn't come up with a name because of the band, and they weren't trying to, you know, piggyback on that popularity. But there's other beers out there that do try and use things like there's a beer called That's a Paddlin', and uh, it, that's a line from The Simpsons. And there's a character on it that looks a lot like I can't think of the old man's name with the beard, um, but uh, it it's to to me a clear reference to that. Maybe they have to look at this lawsuit and think about where they go with the name of their beer but there's uh, you know there's there's a line between you know intellectual property and homage and i i think it's a blurry one and i think that that's where <laughs> this topic gets into a lot of just sort of personal experience and like you said kelly when i heard the hundredth meridian for the first mm-hmm. time in grade school guess what i thought i thought of the song so i think a lot of it comes down to oh my gosh wait your knowledge. you heard about it in grade mm-hmm. school and then you thought of the song yeah, but that's my age. So oh, younger so people, especially really people my age, for you. Th- pe- people my age will have heard the song long before they got that geography lesson, and it's going to be up to really perception and your personal mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. I was just looking at the social media posts that the you know the lawyer Mill has Street? been pointing to that, yeah. that Mill Street had posted with the can hundredth meridian organic amber lager alongside a bunch of tragically hip CDs. And their post is actually a repost of another Instagram account called Beer Cap Blog. So See, I just that's sort what of I was wondering. to add to the wrinkle there that I, I'm a big fan of the Tragically Hip. I'm just I'm not sure how firm the legal standing is on it. Now they posted it, yeah. not separating themselves from the hip in any way, but they they did it. It wasn't their original post. Listen, I have no legal legal background or education on something like this. So all I was saying was, you know, from my own opinion, if I saw the 100th Meridian beer, I would assume it had something to do with the Tragically Hip because that's one of their biggest songs. And that's because of, you know, my point of reference. Remember, I was working in music radio when that album came out, and I must have played that song over and over and over and over again. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Don't forget, you can tune in live. We broadcast live between Monday and Friday, 9 till noon. Get us at 640toronto.com.